Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Macabre Podcast Universe. It's the podcast where we bite off franchises and we... Well, we bite the whole franchise. Yes, yes, and we try... One bite per movie. One bite per movie, and uh, it's just after Christmas, so speaking of bites, you probably are thinking, man, I ate a lot because... Well, now it's the new year. Uh, This is our first episode of the year. Oh, really? Yeah, it is. Happy New Year. Happy Happy, 2020. Happy 2020. And we're ringing it in with the number two of Toy Story, which is the franchise we're covering. Is it the best one? Uh, I don't know if we should say yet right off the bat. But um, if you have not listened to the last episode, I would highly encourage you to do it. It's easily our best episode, except for today, maybe. I don't know. Do you you think we're going to beat it today? It was slow nod of the head. Okay. That's a shake, not a nod. You're right. Um, so we're doing Toy Story 2. Do you got anything to hit us off with right off the bat? In terms of people? I don't know. Anything you want. I really it, like this movie. It's my favorite one. Ah, okay. So you spoiled it. Uh, it's my favorite of the Toy Story movies <laughs> until as well. Until you watch the third one and then you change your mind. Yeah. This one's been my favorite one the whole time. Okay. Even when I saw one. Wow. Well, um... What's kind of interesting about all of these, except maybe three, I guess we'll find out next week, though, is they all have really troubled productions. Mm. And usually when you have a troubled production, you get a pretty bad movie or you have parts where you're like, dang, this part really sucks or this thing just doesn't work. But this these movies feel so cohesive. It's really surprising to find out. That- they really powered through. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm very excited, listener, because a lot of times when we go over the notes and stuff, uh, Jordan knows a lot of the stuff, or before I couldn't keep my mouth shut, but today I researched Toy Story 2, and I got so many nuggets to share, and she doesn't know any of it. You'll see. Well, I mean, she might know it, but she doesn't know it from me. So right off the bat, this one, like the first, is directed by John Lasseter, and it's produced by Helene, Helene Plotkin, who didn't really have many credits, except like two episodes of something else. Um, Karen Robert Jackson, who produced Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, and Strange Magic. Uh, Screenplay by Andrew Stanton, who we discussed last episode, Mr. Finding Nemo himself, a founding Pixar guy. Uh, Rita H-S-I-A-O, Hisao, who uh, also did the screenplay for Mulan. Oh, cool. And My Little Pony. Cool. And then uh, we have Doug Chamberlain and Chris Webb, who are writing partners, and they did two episodes of Duckman, and they also did Bruno the Kid, the animated movie. Never heard of yeah. that. <laughs> but I thought maybe there was a chance you'd be like, oh, Bruno the Kid, the animated movie. Nope. No. Okay. Um, story by John Lasseter. Uh, story by Pete Doctor. That's our Inside Out guy. Um, Ash Brannon, who also did Surf's Up and Rock Dog. And Andrew Stanton again. And then we have music by Randy Newman, who gets an Oscar nomination for the song that Sarah McLaughlin sings about So he wrote Jessie. the song? He wrote the song, and she performed it. And then cinematography, we got Sharon Callahan, who has done... Pretty good song. It's a very good <laughs> song, yeah. Um, kind of surprised it didn't win the Oscar, but I don't know what did. Yeah, so. I'm a pretty bad judge on that yeah. area of the Oscars. Yeah. Mostly, mostly because I just don't... When I watch a movie, I don't think of it like a song happens and it's like, this is probably something they pulled from something. 
Oh yeah, you don't I just think never, of it as original kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, Unless it's a Star Is Born and it's about music. Yeah, and it's not based on a true event. If yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um. So then we have Sharon Callahan who did cinematography. She did The Good Dinosaur. Um. She's very good at her job. Yeah. Cars Two, Ratatouille, Finding Nemo, and The Bug's Life. So, and that's all of the movies that she's done. Uh, and the movie's produced by Walt Disney Pictures and Pixar, and it's distributed by Bueno Vista Pictures, and it comes out November 24th, 1999, Thanksgiving weekend. And I remember seeing this in theaters up in McMinnville or Salem area. When I was a little kid, uh, the movie has a budget of $90 million, which is three times more than Toy Story, which had 30 uh, box office, the movie makes $245,852,179, and worldwide, it makes $497,366,869. I'm going to hand the reins to you before I get into production, so you can okay. hit me. So, the two big new characters in this one are Joan Cusack, who plays Jesse. Uh, famously, John Cusack's sister. Mm. And just think for What's a What's the other Cusack? Is it Anne Cusack? Is that the one from Better Call Saul? I don't remember her first name. Oh, okay. Also, I'm really just confused now because she looks exactly like Annette Benning. Probably not if I actually looked. Annette Benning. She's in Captain Marvel and we thought that was the oh, Cusack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, how was it not? Yeah, she that's pretty wild. But it's kind of crazy that these parents named their son John and their daughter John. Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah. Because Jones the John for girls. Um, so, I mean, Joan Cusack's just in just about everything. Mm-hmm. She's in this movie. <laughs> she's in School of Rock. Wait, famously. wait, hang on. What? You said she's in this. Is there a movie called This Movie? No. Oh. <laughs> no. I thought, I was thinking like a spoof movie, like movie 43 or something. No, 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 no. She's in Toy Story 2. She's in School of Rock, which our generation, everyone knows her from that. Yeah. She's That's in true. Runaway Bride, High Fidelity, The Muppet Christmas Movie. Yes, I'm looking at my phone right now about it. Um, Chicken Little, I guess. Basically, what I when I I thought this was Holly Hunter like the whole time. So finding out that Wait, it's what do you mean the whole time? I thought Jesse was Holly Hunter. Your whole life, or like when we watched? Pretty it sure most the other of my day. life. Okay. So when I found out it was Joan Cusack, it's like, dang, she's good. She's a good yeah. voice actress because we recently watched something else and it was Joan. Yeah. Too. What was that? And it was really good. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's like, oh, that's Joan Cusack. But it was, oh, it was the Klaus. Yes. That. She was in Klaus. Yeah. But she still sounded kind of different. I mean, I hear her pretty clearly. I don't feel like she's doing a voice or anything. But I, I, I think it's very good. She's got a great voice. She also has one of probably the most emotional scenes in the entire show of The Office. Do you remember she's in it? No, Last I don't remember episode. she's in it. Oh, that is tough. That's a good scene. And she's at the microphone and she's like, would you ever forgive your mom? Or you probably like totally hate your mom saying this to Aaron who was adopted. And Aaron's like, no, I don't, I don't hate her and all this stuff. And then she's just crying and you're like, oh my gosh. And then the guy from Arrested Development, the Sitwell is her dad. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Keep it together, Jordan. <laughs> and then we have Kelsey Grammer, who is Frasier from Frasier. Yeah. He is, and he narrates a Disney <laughs> three-parter classic Christmas tales. 
He, what was it? Last night we were watching that Disney thing you're talking about, and we're just like, he just has the best voice. It's crazy. And I I think he was a part of my childhood much more than I thought he was. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because his voice is so great. Well, because when we were watching Simpsons, which I know you're about to say, but he's Sideshow Bob, which I didn't even like put together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like a recurring throughout all 30 years of The Simpsons. There's like an episode or two of. Um, sideshow Bob, and then they'll take you know. You know, usually well, he only once started a acting in 1979. Crazy. Well, well, first credit. This guy's a theater guy. I don't even oh, know, yeah. look at his bio to know that he's a theater guy. Yeah, you don't get a voice like that if you're not in theater. Yeah, and I feel like ever since he was in Frasier slash Cheers, but Frasier, yeah, he's just guested on every, literally everything, and that's most of his filmography. Mm-hmm. Even though he's in he's in movies and stuff, but yeah, it's Frasier. Um. And then those were the two big ones. Oh, but then we have Wayne Knight. Wayne Knight. Wayne. Oh, this is That's Newman, known right? as Newman from Seinfeld. He's also in Jurassic Park. Yes. He's in Dirty Dancing, I guess. <laughs> Basic Instinct. He, he just he pops up in random places. He's in Kung Fu, Fu Panda and Hail Caesar. Mm. But he does such a good job in this movie. He does yeah, such yeah. a good job. He's voice the perfect acting. cast on this one. Yeah. Um, but oh yeah, then we also have the, she's a new character in this movie, um, Estelle Harris, who plays Mrs. Potato Head, who is yes. George Costanza's mom yeah. in Seinfeld. She's got a wonderful. She's like perfect for for that character. Some of, some of those people just have those iconic voices that just like her voice is kind of annoying, but it's awesome. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. And then the guy who played Zerg is a writer for Wally. Finding oh, it's uh, we probably said Andrew Stanton is Zerg. No way. I mean, they way. probably just edited his voice though. That is cool though. I I liked um, I I like when the animators do the voices and stuff. I I was listening to this uh podcast called Podcast a Ride and Griffin Newman and they were talking about the Shrek series, which we have covered Shrek, folks. So if you haven't heard it, go back and listen. And they were saying how, like, sometimes when it's not a big-name actor, you can go, oh, that's an animator, and kind of roll your eyes. And I'm like, I like that about it, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I like when the animators are involved. I well, think it's like when a director has a cameo in a movie. Yeah. Like, sometimes it's the best part of it, too. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean the movie, <laughs> It, too. Um, Just saying, he did a really, Stephen King did a really good job in It, too. Yeah, he did. He did. Um, but I think the larger point they were trying to make is, like, Shrek was like when it changed to like kind of stunt casting for a lot of animation. <laughs> but um anyway, are you okay? <coughs> but stunt casting and then and then just how like some of those animators just do voices that like anyone can do. But I yeah. think in in these Toy Story movies, they have like some good voices yeah. in there. Yeah. So, um is that your your cast of characters? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Catmule Lassiter and Guggenheim, who are three Pixar guys, went to visit the successor of Katzenberg, who was the um, the uh, Disney guy, the successor of him, who's now Joe Roth. So they went to visit him. Oh, I and can't believe the director of the Hostel movies is a part of this. <laughs> That's Eli Roth. I know, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but Joe Roth is like, hey, we should do a direct-to-video Toy Story 2 because we've done Aladdin, Jaf- Return of Jafar, and we've done another one. I can't remember which. And they're they're making good money. We should do that. And they're all like, yeah, that's a good idea. So they decide to go forward. 
And they weren't even sure if they were going to use computer animation or if they were going to hand animate it like old movies. Oh, crazy. Really weird. So pretty much like how much are we willing to, how much time and money are we willing to invest in the sequel? Mm-hmm. But this is when it gets You're wild. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> One no, fact at a time. No, no. This is where it gets good. Okay. So Stanton, Andrew Stanton was busy working on Bugs Life. And Pete Docter was working on what would eventually become Monsters, Inc., which is going to be the movie that precedes um, Toy Story 2 in Pixar's lineup. So, which people, if you haven't watched that movie in a couple years, Mike and I watched good. it recently. You should watch it. It is still the best one, in my opinion. Of Monsters? Of Pixar. It's my favorite. Oh, it's no Toy Story 2 to me. All the Toy Stories are better to me. Oh, but- it- all of them? Yes. All four of them are better than Monsters, Inc.? For me, Toy Story, it's like Toy Story 1, 2, 3, 4, then you can start talking about the other Pixar movies. I remember when I saw Monsters University in theaters, I was like, that's it. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Well, and then as years go on, and it's like, ah, oh, but Monsters, there's, you know, Monsters University is so good because of Monsters, Inc. So it's like, okay, I think that one's my favorite one. And then when I saw Coco, I was like, this is the most breathtaking and artistic one that I've seen. I think that one is like a very close second for me. Okay, okay, I revise my statement. Toy Story 2, Toy Story 1, then probably um, Ratatouille. Ratatouille is one I always forget about. Then I would probably go uh, Toy Story 4, Toy Story 3, and Coco somewhere in there. You forgot Cars. (laughs) We'll probably cover that at some (laughs) point. But anyway, so Pete Doctor's working on Monsters, Inc. Stanton is working on Bugs Life, and Lasseter turns to an animator from the first movie and he's like why don't you head up the direct-to-video sequel ash brannon who we talked about a little bit earlier and so um uh well here's uh, i gotta find no 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 so that branch was they had made two cd-roms that were disney animated storybook toy story and the toy story activity center and steve jobs shut it down and they were put them in a new building and they had him start working on the sequel. And then um, one of the co-producers said after they made the switch to feature film, it became a... Oh, ah, whoops, I jumped ahead. I might have to edit myself here. Um, so then the movie gets deleted. 90% of the movie gets deleted because someone, like in Silicon Valley, like <gasps> presses a wrong button kind <gasps> of a th- situation. They don't back it up? Well, so here's the thing. So someone deletes it. And, and uh, I was reading this article. he got article. fired and probably murdered. No, here's the thing. They kind of just said, like, I, I, I didn't read this part of the article too much. Um, I was kind of skimming through it. But it sounds like Pixar was kind of like, we don't care who did it. Let's just fix it and forget that this happened. Good on the corporate corporate dude's part. Yeah. But and they, then they, they found said, the guy who did it. And they killed him. <laughs> and buried, they just threw him in the ocean. Yeah. Um, but what they did, so 90% of the movie is gone. And it was the kind of thing where like they have like 40 character models of to- of Woody or something and someone like opens it and they're like there's all 40 and then they click on it again and they're like there are only 4 now. Wait, where are the other 36? And what ha- so they had this shared like system but they don't have like the kind of backup systems that we have now. So like if you just do one little thing wrong, <laughs> you're 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 screwing the whole project. But then this woman, savior Galen Suzman had just had a child and she had backed up all of the stuff and it was at her house because she had to work from home. So then they strapped it into her car, this huge like backup device 
with like pads and they're going like 35 miles an hour on the freeway in California with like their flashers on just getting to Pixar, putting it in and they only lost about a week of work. But here's the thing. Wow. It's a g- one for the mom guys. <laughs> yeah. So then, but here's, here's what happens. So all of that. And then John Laster gets back from promotion, promoting Bugs Life in Europe. And when he gets back, he's looking at the film and he's like, this doesn't work. This is bad. Do you have any idea what the story was? I'm not sure okay. what the story was. Um, and he said the whole movie needs to be redone. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, I mean, I've seen it, this episode in Silicon Valley. <laughs> he says the whole thing needs to be redone. And he goes, Steve Jobs, can you yeah. give us, can you push back the release date? past 1999 and he says no we can't push it back it has to come out november 24th 1999 and they go okay and they halt production on december 15th and they have like a writer's retreat thing and they start production back up in january and now they have nine months to complete the entire movie from scratch (laughs) so um Effectively, all Anna. So this is a quote from one of the 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 CTO of Pixar at the time, and it's kind of a long one. But he says, effectively, all animation was tossed. Effectively, all layout was tossed. So all camera work would start from scratch. Lighting was in the film a little bit, but that was tossed as well. We had to build new characters. So at that point, Buster showed up at that point, and that character went from being out to being in the screenplay to in the final screen in nine months. I think that's the dog, Buster, right? The dog. Yeah. Buster? Oh, oh okay. The little dog okay. at the beginning of the movie. Like Andy's dog? Yeah. Okay. Um, And he said that's a fully animated quadruped, which Daniel talked about in our previous episode. And and he says on the fly. And most of the humans in the film and show, I looks like there's a typo, all the background extras in the airport at the end. They were all built and assembled then, and all the effects works All the effects work was added to the film. The opening of the film, which is Buzz, Buzz playing with the robots, which I spent a lot of my time working on, where Buzz blows up a quarter million robots with that crystal, that explosion, that was all added in that pitch as well. It started from ground zero in January. So the story effectively and the film, and that was probably one of the biggest tests of what Pixar was as a company and a culture we ever went through. So (laughs) all of that, I still have a couple more things. I know I'm going long, but I, this is just crazy. Um, so they do it and, um, but don't you think that's wild? Because the movie feels like it was like totally fleshed out and like ready to go. It kind of makes sense. I'm I'm wondering if they cut corners in terms of, because if they have to rewrite the story, they have to think of, okay, this is the time limit we have. So based on whatever our story is, we have to think about how they're going to animate it. Uh-huh. So they might be going on a part of a story that's like, no, they're they're moving too much, too many different backgrounds. Oh, sure. I wonder if that's why a lot of the movie is in just that guy's apartment. Could be, yeah. It makes sense. But it all serves the story. That's the crazy part. No, it part. does. And the, it doesn't look boring because they have a lot of different angles. They have mm-hmm. all of the, the Woody like paraphernalia. Yeah. So it worked. And and what's what's... You know, so then they decide to do things like reusing models. So, like the chess guy, they're like, let's put him in this movie because guy. the guy who cleans the toys. Oh, okay. So they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we already have a model of him, so we don't have to build an entirely new character. Let's use him. So, um, but then a couple of things about the actual movie the concept of, of Woody as a collectible, 
um, came from a draft of a tin toy Christmas, which was going to be something that followed up Toy Story that that was Mm -hmm. scrapped and turned into the direct to DVD thing or direct to movie. And then um, on that dust shelf where he finds um, the penguin. So there's there they had to animate one speck of dust and then they just kept adding them. And there's over two million particles on that bookshelf. (laughs) Which is nuts. And then finally, my last note, um, when the movie comes out on DVD, Technicolor messed up and a thousand copies of the ultimate toy box set that was sold exclusively at Costco had in the middle of the movie, it had um, a a scene from High Fidelity that had the F word a couple of times. How does that even happen? Just some sort of weird like technological mess up. Come on. Tyler Durden (laughs) got in there and did that. Yeah, He probably did. So um, that is all my notes for Toy Story. Noits. My notes for Toy Story. I'm going to take a ride. drink so of water. So when did the, did the movie ever come out? Here's the thing, Jordan. <laughs> it comes out and it's the best Toy Story. Yeah. And they make two more after this and they're all really good. So the movie begins. We see Buzz Lightyear and we're seeing all this crazy... I guess animation that started the January before this movie came out animation of him like flying through space. And we're seeing all this kind of new stuff that we have not seen in 3d animation before. And he's fighting these robots and, um, he goes onto this moon. I'm trying to think the, the camera movements are kind of nuts. It's kind of a perfect action sequence. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of like Spielbergian Indiana Jones action uh, inspired camera angles and movements and he has to fight zerg who w- was mentioned in the first movie yeah um or written in the first movie and uh then he dies uh-huh he his his body gets blown off in and then it zooms out and it's rex playing a video game of zerg yeah which uh, already it's like okay <laughs> And it's like, that's going to come back. <laughs> Completely hooked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's saying how he can never beat Zerg. Yeah. Which is going to be a great payoff yeah. at the end. And then, um, yeah, the, fl- oh yeah, they do the Lucasfilm sound effects. Like there's a lot of like mm-hmm. Star Wars sound effects. And unlike to me when we were watching Ant-Man and we were like, they're just using Star Wars sound effects. This one's like, oh, well, Lucasfilm is like part of the reason why Pixar exists so it's kind of like a fun homage actually that they're like making these references yeah i I think so um so rex is playing the video game and then we see buster the dog well right after the video game turns off i believe uh, an ad of al's toy barn shows up and everyone's like oh he's so sick and so such a terrible person because he's a guy that sells toys like they just don't like him i think i think they like i i think uh ham it's kind of like, I don't know what it is about that guy, Something's but I don't like off. him. Something's off about that Because later guy. when they find it out, he's like, I knew it. I yeah, knew I this guy right. was yeah. funky. So, so yeah, they see that, and then that gets turned off, and then what happens? Um, so then uh, the dog comes in, and I was I, I have forgotten how the movie goes, so I'm thinking the dog's going to be this like imposing force for the toys, because it's been so long since I've seen it. And he, like, Woody, like, plays with the dog and, like, has it teaches it how to draw and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, like with guns. And um, it's really crazy because if we compare it to Spud from Toy Story 1, the animation of this dog is like crazy, yeah, crazy better. Really good. Is crazy better? Yeah, that's a correct grammar. And so looking great, and it's we're just like getting back into our friends. We're seeing Buzz. We're seeing Ham. 
We got Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, and already hijinks are ensuing with those two. A lot of funny marriage jokes. Very funny, but not too... They're, they're not, not going into the ball and chain route, no, no, which no, is no. kind of boring. No, um, But ones that our parents... like that, that's, from, that's for you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> yeah. Even though kids laugh at it, too. Yeah. And, and then we just have... Um, it's just uh, the series is so good. It's just so cool because they're they're doing like we talked about. They're they're taking on toys and they're saying like like what if this thing happened that you as a kid always thought about. And in each preceding movie, they explore a different aspect of their existence that we also can relate to. So in this one, when Toy Story, when Woody's all excited about going to camp with Andy. And then his arm gets ripped, and Andy's like, eh, I guess I'm done with the toy. It works on that level of like, well, you know, you threw away a toy when you were a kid. But then you're thinking about like when you've been hurt or something, and someone's someone's like, ah, well, I guess I'm kind of done with you. For now, at least. Whatever, you got to... Mm-hmm. And, and the movies hit a lot harder the older you get, I think, mm-hmm. which explains why when we saw four with our parents... Both sets of our parents, all of us were crying, except for our moms. My dad wasn't crying. Oh, my thought, mom was crying. Okay, so it was your mom, me, you, and my dad. And somehow my mom and your dad weren't crying. But I wasn't really crying. You were crying. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's okay. <laughs> um, so then he's not going to take Woody to camp. And uh, so then we but have... But not only that, his mom puts him on the top shelf. Which yes, is like, everyone's yes. like, <gasps> the top shelf. Because that you like okay the toys that are set up there will never be played with again, and Woody's like guys it's fine it's fine it's just my my arm just a little rip Andy's mom will fix it it's fine and everyone's like dead man walking yeah and then yeah go ahead and it well and it also plays to the this whole like feeling we get as we get older where we're like are the good old days behind me like is my pinnacle playing Huey Lewis and the Huey Lewis and the new show will I ever be able to do something that cool musically again? Correct. And it, well, I'm, just, I'm totally no, joking. <laughs> I'm bringing it up as like, you know, there's always that comparison and you're like, well, is my arm ripped now? Will I never. And and the movie speaking to you, mm-hmm. you know, and you find Squeaky, the the penguin. And he's, yeah. he's been up there for years. He's been right? up there for years because he doesn't have his squeak anymore. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I was put up here a while ago and they said they were going to come back, but they never did. Mom, and his mom was going to fix my squeaker, but. He never did. Yeah. And um, <sighs> what's nice is I feel like they they never make Andy's mom feel like a bad guy. No, no, not in the way like Al is. Yeah, no. And then there's that really cool horror sequence where he like the he gets thrown into this tr- like trash in in this weird. Well, um, so he dream he's sequence. dreaming that Andy comes home and is like Woody from Cowboy Camp and is That's like right. Woody Woody and he gets him and he's like Oh yeah, your arm's broken. I don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> yeah. And I really like when he, he drops him and he falls into playing cards. And I, the, that se- that's when it starts really. Yeah. Yeah. That sequence is super cool. And then he, he falls into this trash can where all of these, all these toys arms are in. And Woody's like, no, Andy, like come back and save me. I'm fine. I'm fine. And these hands are pulling him down, which pretty cool. And, and, and I'm telling you again, these movies, they have that horror influence them. All of them do. Yeah. And that's part of, I mean, I think it just plays with your emotions when you can scare people a little bit. I know these aren't like scary, but like getting into like horror, that's like how our minds think. Yeah. So that's why it resonates. That's part of the resonation. So then 
they're, they see that the penguin is outside for the yard sale, which again, as every time there's a new scene, you're just like so clever that they're going this direction oh, with yeah. it, like yard sale and how would a toy deal with the yard sale? Yeah. And so Squeaky's out there and Woody's like, I'm going to get the dog and I'm going to go save Squeaky. Goes out there and, you know, it messes up and there's this toy collector there named Al and he winds up stealing Woody very immorally. And I like how it's like he straight up stole him. He didn't yeah. like buy him or, you know, he, he was trying to hide it. And Andy's mom's like, oh, no, that's a that's an old family toy. Like, yeah, you can't have that. But then he just straight up stole Woody. Mm-hmm. So it's like doubly like super super bad guy you know not just like i don't trust him that's like no he he did a really bad thing Mm -hmm. and then he gets woody gets taken back to uh, al's apartment and that's when um we find out that woody has been um he he is like a whole franchise of merchandise and he's this big he's he's it's kind of funny because it's almost a play on like the Messiah narrative that's in a lot of movies and, and films where it's like, he's this, like he he's come to like save Jesse and the prospector and bullseye in, in, in a lot of ways. And he's a part of like this bigger plan than he ever thought he was. Mm -hmm. He just thought he was Andy's toy. Yeah. And then he has to play with that, like refusal of the call, but it's kind of flipped on its head because the refusal of the call is now him wanting to go home. Mm hmm. Um, very cool. Yeah. Uh, that kind of just popped into my head and I just kept talking till it made sense. Did that make sense? Oh, I think so. And then, I mean, it's just a classic thing of choosing. He has to choose between love and what's the other one? Like justice. I don't know if justice is the right word. It's a literary thing, but like choosing between love, like going back for Andy Mm -hmm. or like, I'm assuming justice would be the right one because it would be doing the right thing for these these people. Yeah, because they've been waiting for a him. A classic hard choice. Not both of them, like, neither choice is the wrong choice. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. But we know. A lot of... It's setting him up for some nice character growth. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think it kind of makes four punch a little harder, too. Yeah. Um. So, we see, like, the animated Woody show, which kind of blew my mind. I couldn't really figure out how they did that. Cause it, it's there. I couldn't even figure out if it was real. Yeah, like, like if it actually they, was real. Did they film that show and then put it into? Because it looks like puppets, but they do look animated. No, no, no it's no, it's definitely animated. I'm just confused because seeing things on strings, it's like, how are you not tangling everything up? Yeah. <laughs> That's like the first thing I think of. It's definitely animated though. Okay, it's just animated really well. Yeah, it's crazy. And because then, remember, at one point, there was a kid in the scene in the show oh yeah duh <laughs> so it's definitely animated it would been over a week since we watched it so i i would have known that if we'd have recorded the day but after. It, so yeah so to so he finds out you know there's jesse there's bullseye there's the prospector they're teaching him about who he is and he's like this is so cool i didn't know that i was like i'm woody i'm not yeah, i'm yeah. not just andy's woody i'm woody and then of course it gets to the point where he's like well yeah but i'm going home yeah and he's like yeah, they're coming after me right like he you know he's like I'm going to be saved. I'm going to figure out. I'm going to get out of here. And uh, they're just like, why would you want to leave? And they're like, well, I have, I have Andy. I have to get back to Andy. And then Kelsey Grammer with his commanding voice is saying how that's very selfish. And he's an unopened toy. So he doesn't really understand. Jesse's really, really sad about it. 
Yeah, and then do you want to jump into why she's so sad about it? Well, that's jumping ahead a little bit. Is but it? Okay. At, at some point, Woody's arm is completely ripped off. Oh, And that, yeah. that's pretty much why he has to continue to stay there. Coupled with Al keeps coming back in. Mm-hmm. He can't just leave yet, but... Doesn't the prospector rip his arm off? No. Um. He So, like, Al puts him in the, the case. Oh, yeah. And the string gets caught in the case, and the, and the seam comes out of his arm, and his arm falls off. So then Al yeah. has his arm... And Woody can't leave without it. Yes. So, meanwhile, um, Slinky, Buzz, Mr. Potato Head, uh, Rex, and the Piggy Bank. Yeah. What's his name? Ham. They all leave to rescue Woody. But before that, they're like, they saw the person who took him. They're like, he looks familiar. He was a guy. I've seen him before. And they're trying to figure it out. They've got his license plate. So they're like, <laughs> yeah. what does his license plate mean? Which I think it, it says Al's Toy Barn. You know, but yeah, it's like, like, it's like A-L-Z-T-Y-B-N. Something like that. So then, you know, they're on the TV flipping through channels because they're like, maybe it's on here somewhere. And Ham's just clicking through so quickly. I think that part's so funny. <laughs> yeah. And that super funny thing that they say is so dated now when they're like, that was it. That was it. And he's like, I'm already up to the forties. We got to go back around. And I'm <laughs> like, they only have like 50 channels. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they get back and they find the Al's toy barn um, commercial, yeah. which has the address on it. So they're like, okay. That's the guy who took him. And I think Ham was like, I knew it like was that guy, you know, because mm-hmm. he never trusted him. Well, and, and what's f- kind of funny, too, is now now with our knowledge of the production, we do find out that Al's penthouse is literally across the street from the toy barn. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is before knowing the production, I just thought to myself, that's really funny that Al drives to work and like shows a lot about his character, like how lazy he is. Oh yeah. Cause and he's he just... complaining about having to drive all the way to work <laughs> and he just has to cross the highway. Yeah. But what's, what's probably more likely is they were like, well, we want to have a scene where they get over there and have to like cross the street and it's going to be a lot less animation if we can stick to these two spots and then the street in the middle. Yeah. But, but on a practic on like a story level, it, is beautiful it works so well yeah it works really well and they they don't spend too much time getting getting the guys to show up to al's toy barn no like they they do a couple cutaways and it's like we got 20 more blocks and it's the dead of night you know they're toys so it's like 20 more blocks yeah yeah yeah. i mean then you don't see them for a while and they've they walk the rest of the way yeah but um and they, they do that amazing bit where like they're all like slow and like a quarter is like stuck in ham or something like that he trips and, then, and it all falls out his cork <laughs> falls out yeah, of him yeah and then and then like slinky's walking up and you can't see his backside and his ba- and he stops and then his backside is like slowly like getting Catching dragging up. itself up which is great yeah super great i love slinky he's so cute he's very very cute um so yeah so then there, there is a scene where um, Al fell asleep watching TV. Yeah. And he dropped his bowl of cheese puffs. A Which lot of cheese always, puffs in this movie. I think so. Here's something to know about me, listener. I'm not a huge like Cheeto or cheese puff fan. I've had them before. But when I watched this movie, I was like, oh, this is like the psychologist moment or yeah. psychiatrist moment. This is why I don't like it because it's so gross how he has it on his fingers and he just wipes it on his shirt and like gets it on woody who's like the toy he's trying to sell and it grosses me out so much that i'm gross. like i don't like cheese it che- i thought you Cheetos. were about to say and it makes me crave them every time no the exact opposite <laughs> oh okay um yeah so what he's trying as the cheese puffs are all covered all over the ground he's trying to get up there to get his arm out of his pocket mm-hmm. and 
um, bullseyes following him and making a ton of noise. And then really funny part when he burp, when Al burps in his face. Oh yeah. He That's hears it going funny. up his chest and yeah. then he, but, um, you know, really close to getting his arm and then Al wakes up Yeah, and sees what he needs. He just puts him back in the case, keeps his arm and leaves the room. Yeah. So, so again, like what he's like, oh, still well, can't it's, leave. It's because the TV gets turned on and it wakes him up. Yes. Oh, and yeah, he, he sees the remote is right by Jesse's case. Yes. So yeah. So then, yeah, they have the argument of like, did you like, why? Like, really? Like, it's that important to you? All, all this stuff. And they have a fight. And he's got one of the best lines. And I can't remember exactly why he says it, but him and Jesse are fighting. And she's like, oh, she, she says, you calling me a liar. And he goes, if the boot fits. If the and, boot fits. Yes. That's how yeah. he says it. Yes, that's how he says it. I was trying to remember. And it's like, I'm putting that in like top 10 Hank quotes for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. I just love how he pronounces it. And like, it really has like a lot of animosity behind yeah. it. It's good. Um, and the whole time the prospector... Like that character is written so well because he's he's so one of those bad guys that's like it's your choice it's your life you can do what you want if you want to leave leave but he manipulates him into staying mm-hmm. like throughout throughout like this whole time like but think about your effects on other people like uh, think about what your choices are gonna do because yeah. Jesse's afraid about being put back into a box and being in the dark forever yeah, yeah. so well and then he finds out why and the sarah mclaughlin song plays um, hold on oh you're I, I thought you were no no, no i'm not i'm not getting oh. to that point i'm just saying Whoops. that's that's very well done because i think before that um that the buzz and everyone else gets to al's toy barn because mm-hmm. they think he's there not somewhere else yeah so very funny sequence of meeting all these toys seeing the new light buzz n- new buzz light here with the utility belt yeah which is just they, they play on that joke again and it's still funny where this new Buzz thinks he's an actual astronaut. Yeah. <laughs> Still really funny. funny. He, he puts Buzz in one of the um, boxes. So and then the, I, I think it's hilarious that they introduce Barbies into this. Yeah, which I thought I thought Barbie came in in three, but I guess that's yeah. when the Ken doll comes in. I understand. In. Yeah, that's that makes sense. But yeah, no, Barbie comes in this movie. It's tour guide Barbie. Yeah, super funny. Um, and they get to Al's office and they find... What do they find? Oh, no, no, just at some point, yeah, Al comes in, mm-hmm. and he has, oh, because this is right after Woody gets fixed. Yes. He gets his arm back, he gets his, he gets the Andy Which painted should, over his we, boot. I don't want to just skip over that. You can take so. it over. Okay, okay. Well, um, pr- I mean, we still, I think, I think, uh, okay, maybe that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, yeah, the toy fixer comes in, because he's broken, and he's, and Al is sending, he's selling the toys to someone in Japan. A Japanese art collector who will display them in a museum yes behind the glass box which is that really living that's kind of the question that's being posed and um the 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 detail and the montage who's he's a chess player from one of their pixar shorts from the first one was it the first one Mm. um and he's cleaning the toy and like the texture the detail it's kind of the almost like not to this extent but like the mama coco in coco where you just look at her and you're like i could kind of look at this old man or this mama Coco like all day long. Cause uh-huh. they, it's so interesting and he's doing all these particular things and he's got, it's very um, like Tim Burton, mm-hmm. like uh, Edward Scissorhands kind of vibe or where it's Coraline, kind of creepy, which I know is not Tim Burton, yes. but it reminds me of Coraline. Too. Yeah. It has that like creepy, creepy feel to it. And that he's got like all these gadgets that are in the real world, but don't seem like they mm-hmm. really are. So it's it's just a fun 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 sequence that also kind of leans on like the a little bit it's it's not 
horror and it's not scary, but it's like in that realm of settling. Yes. That's the word. Yeah. And so he fixes up Woody. He looks good as new and he paints over the Andy on the bottom of his foot. So when he's, that finishes Al, you know, Al's like, okay, I'm going to get pictures taken, send them to the Japanese people. Um, and meanwhile, like as soon as he leaves the room, Woody's freaking out based on how good he looks. He, he looks brand new. Yeah. And that's kind of the moment. Cause that's when Jesse's like, okay, I guess you can leave now. And yes. he's he like really wants her to understand. Like you don't like, basically you don't know what it's like to have an owner. And she's like, really? You don't think I know what it's like? You're right. Yeah. And then that's the Sarah McLaughlin song. Yeah. So that, that's when you, it's, it's a great sequence. No dialogue, just the song. But the song tells such a beautiful story about a girl who had a doll and the girl grows up and outgrows Jesse. Yeah. And it's pretty heartbreaking. It's kind of hard to describe visually what's going on. You know, I mean, it's not really worth it, I guess, in my opinion. But, but it's a really, they, they do what a good scene like that should do where mm-hmm. they, there is like a beginning, a middle and an end. There's like act one, act two, act three mm-hmm. in that three minutes in that three minutes yeah and you just really get invested and i th- i mean honestly that's one of the like highlights of the whole series probably yeah as i far love as, that like, part emotions go and just storytelling it's yeah. really beautiful well, it's just done. like you feel so sad for her but you can't be like it's she's not like it's not injustice what happened yeah it's a part of it's a part of life and that's why it hurts so bad is because that's that's what happens in life yeah and and they do the the really great thing where when she's a kid, the girl is playing with Jesse on the tire swing, mm-hmm. and then Jesse's not being played with, and she finally grabs her, and she goes to donate her, and they set up the shot so you see the tire swing in the distance, but it just happens to be well, where, nice the, too because she, where like, the donation of the toys are. But she doesn't just put Jesse in the box for the car ride. She like has Jesse in her purse, and she's sitting next to her, and you're like, oh, like... This is, to this girl, this is the, like in her, like, I'm sure that the, her owner's heart was like so full because it's like, this is the last time and it's so great. And she's probably thinking about all the great memories she had with Jesse. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she, she drops her off. Yeah. And I do like that she was donating her toys, which is a nice touch. Yeah, by littering on the side of the road. No, no, there's um people grabbing oh, the yeah, boxes. Oh, yeah, it was one of like the Goodwill things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, sh- she's not a bad, mm-hmm. it's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's just what happens. Um, so that happens. And that's, that's what turns Woody around. Yeah. And he's like, okay, I'm going to go with you guys. Yeah. Now, a couple things I, I am seeing that I wanted to point out is, uh, when Buzz finds the other Buzz, it mirrors the shot of Woody finding Buzz in the first movie that where he's sense. looking up and then it pans up and looks at him. So you're seeing that like power dynamic again. Very cool. Um, there's a Jurassic Park reference where uh, Barbie is driving them around and Rex is behind them, like stomping, and it looks like Jurassic Park. And then Buzz is put in the aisle. I think we had forgotten to I say that. I mentioned he was put in a box. Oh, you did? Okay. Um, and they get the wrong Buzz out. Yeah. Jesse's story. Now we're at the prospector who urges him to stay and last forever. It's harding, harder knowing where four goes, is what I said. And Zerg gets out. So they that, throughout this whole time, they, they get into Al's toy bag. Yes, they um, do. They do, but then don't. Yeah, they get into his bag, but at some for some reason, oh, he leaves the bag in his car when he gets back to the his apartment. So they're in his car, and they're like, "Okay, this is where he's got to be. We got to get in there. How are we going to get in there?" 
they go through the side, like inside a vent and get in through the elevator. Yeah. And all the while Zerg is, is ch- mm. like behind and mm-hmm. it's great. I love all that. Yeah. It's, it's um, funny. It's great that in this world where like a new, a new toy buzz thinks that he's an actual astronaut. His arch nemesis also thinks that he's an actual <laughs> yeah. character too. Yeah. And um, when they go up the sh- the elevator shaft, it's just so funny because Buzz is the the new Buzz is like carrying all of the toys with him, and then he does the thing where he's like to infinity and beyond. Like I'm gonna turn off gravity, and he lets go at the perfect point where the elevator just catches him, yeah. and then it lifts him up. And, and everyone's he... like, "What's wrong with him <laughs> this whole time?" And it's so funny. Yeah, because they still think it's the normal buzz. Yeah. Um, so it's great. That's just really great timing, too, because, like, you know, this is when Woody decides to stay, but this is when they They're find him. They're all catching him. up to him. Yeah. Yeah. So they find him, um, and Woody has to tell him, like, and, and meanwhile, the real buzz got out of the box and is on its way and makes it, too. But, like, telling him, like, I'm going to stay with them, and he's explaining to them why, but they don't understand. Yeah. All all this stuff. And then by that time, the real buzz gets there and they have a huge fight. Yes. Which basically ends with buzz being like, if that's your decision, then fine. And just uh-huh. leaves. Yeah. And, and we, uh, this is also when we find out that the prospector is actually has had the box open and he like, he's the one who turned on the, the TV. toys back and like screws screws the vent and we find out yeah he turned on the tv and then they like load up the boxes and he forces woody to go well, now. even before because before he like seals the vent off too it's like you know buzz is like if that's your decision fine and woody's like fine so they leave and then you know woody faces his like new family and then he kind of thinks like you know i think he sees andy on his boot he like takes the paint off and yeah. he's like i can't do this and he's like but you guys can come with me yeah so and prospector's like no yeah um and then uh there's the 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 zerg and buzz fight mm-hmm. and then wreck rex accidentally knocks zerg off the elevator shaft and but he's, he's like, like i knew i, I could it. do it <laughs> yeah and um that's also when he they do the star wars thing where he's like buzz i am your father and he says no yeah and then they, when they're outside, they've like already made up, made up, and it's, they're playing catch. They're like, "Buzz, you want to come with us?" And he goes, "I'm playing catch no, with guys. my yeah, yeah. <laughs> with my dad." And yeah. he's shooting the little Nerf things. Yeah. Oh, and Buzz had caught up. Normal Buzz. That's what I said. You said that. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then now we're at the airport, and Ed, you know the climax of the movie. We're there. And um, what we noticed... Al is going to Japan and taking the toys. Yes. And um, so all of Woody's friends, they're coming. They're trying to stop it from happening. And then... They take a Pizza Planet truck to the airport. That's right. And drive it. And then um, Slinky is in a bag. And this girl's like, oh, look at the cute toy. And it barks at the girl. And so now we no, have she two says times. she's a dog. She thinks it's a dog because yeah. he's in a dog crate. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he barks at her. So we're so now we have two instances of the toys interacting with humans. Yeah. So we thought it was just Sid. I had forgotten about this part. Wondering if maybe there's something in the others that we yeah. don't remember. And then we have the, you know, what? can you take over? <laughs> oh, as I'm yawning. Um... So they're trying, so the, the, he checks in the bag, the bag goes back to where all the luggage is being taken care of. And you see, it's like Monsters Inc. with all the doors. Yeah. There's just so many conveyor belts and there's two different 
green bags that look the same. Mm-hmm. So they split up and are like, you get that one, I'll get that one. So one of them gets to the first green bag and it's full of camera equipment and yeah. flashers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the other group gets to the the real one. And I think Woody gets out, Bullseye gets out, and then the prospector gets Jesse back in the box. Mm-hmm. Then throughout all of this, which is hard, you know, it's hard to explain action scenes. Yeah. Um, prospector gets out of the box and he gets, he, he ends up in a little girl's backpack. Yeah. Cause they use the bulbs against him. Yeah. And like blind him. So yeah. he, he ends up in this little girl's backpack with a Barbie and it's yeah. super funny. She's like, you're going to love Jessica. She turns her head and there's paint all over her face. And her She's hair's an like artist. Shaved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. So then it's, so it's still not over yet though, because that bag is still getting, it's loaded onto the plane. They're like, Jesse's in there. So Woody gets on bullseye with buzz, which mm-hmm. is so Western. Well, and can I jump into this part? What's really cool is the first movie is space themed and about like space taking over the Western in, mm. in, in that element of the movie, mm. those themes. And at the end of the movie, they ride a rocket to get onto the U-Haul. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of this movie, which is Western themed and kind of about the past mm-hmm. and not the future, uh, they ride a horse over to the thing and it's cowboy themed. And I'm like, that is so brilliant. And I never picked up those things. I wonder until if they thought about that in the rewrite. I, they must have, right? Because it sounds like it would speed up their process. In what, what way? Well, if they need to write a story really quickly and they're like, what if we did this? And someone threw out like, make it like a Western. Oh, and then someone's and then like, they're like, oh, ching, yeah. Ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> okay. it'd be easier to fill in the blanks that way. Back to you. Yeah. So they get Jesse out of the bag, but the plane has already started um, getting ready to take off mm-hmm. and they have to jump off of the wheel of the plane. And it's really scary because they're toys. Yeah. And they do it. <laughs> yeah. There's some tension, I promise, but they get off it and then they're fine. And then they make it back home and it's, oh, and they do get on the suitcase thing, which it looks like a train kind of like a, would be the equivalent of a Western train. Sorry. Go back to you. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. totally right. Um, and what, what I really like about Jesse's character, cause in the first movie, and I'm not trying to make this a feminist thing. I'm not, but the first movie, there's not really a girl. Yeah. Bo Peep is there. John Lasseter's wife encouraged him to make a well-rounded female character. Well, it's just smart in terms of merchandising too. Yeah. Um, Cause you're, you're taking away half of your demographic if you don't have a girl toy. So then you have Jesse in this movie, but she's not just like a girl. She's not a Barbie doll. Yeah. Cause they could have done that very easily. They did. But Jesse, well, yeah, yeah. But like, she's a huge tomboy. Mm-hmm. Like I me- I remember being a little girl and like really, really, really yeah. liking Jesse yeah. because she was really energetic, very tomboyish, but not like in a, like I have attitude. Yeah. She's yeah. just like a yeehaw girl who likes to have fun. Yeah. No, and I ride love horses it. and stuff. Yeah. And I think that's great that like her and buzz end up together. Because you wouldn't really expect that. I know. I love that it's not her and Woody. Yeah. Because that's that's what it looks like it should be. Plus, it wouldn't really make sense to me. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's really good. And I, I wasn't there a moment when they're back at Andy's house and Andy's getting home and Jesse's like nervous. Oh yeah, she's which very plays nervous. into the fourth movie. Yes. Again, too. In what way? The doll. The doll. The doll from the fourth movie, who really wants an owner. And oh, by the end Gabby. of the movie, yeah, yeah, Gabby. Yes. Because she's really, really nervous too. Mm-hmm. But um, just, I love that. 
I whole, love that whole too. thing too. But then Andy comes home and he's like, what do your arms fix? Whoa, new toys. Thanks, mom. Yeah, yeah. And just not really a second thought. And he loves them and he's playing with them already. And then and then what's great is they just they they show a a commercial for Alice Toy Barn and it's updated. It's he's like, super sad. He's sad and he's like, come to Al-. he's like crying because he lost the sale. And then there's bloopers in the credits. Credits, which is pretty funny because they had to like plan the bloopers. Mm-hmm. Like that's so much work. <laughs> Was this movie shorter than the first movie? Um, I don't believe it was. Okay. No, it was longer. It was oh, okay. longer by like 10 or so oh, okay. minutes, I think. Yeah, it's, it's still a tight, weird that they like... did the bloopers in light of everything. <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad because they're so funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I wonder, too, if there's any way that some of those bloopers like did have to do with maybe like how the computers were handling certain information, and then they just like made it look better. And then they just got the actors to just do a couple extra things. Yeah, like like you think about that. I think it's the first blooper where Woody sits down in the tape and he and he, his character falls mm-hmm. into the tape. I wonder if like maybe the like a rendering actually kind of did that, and they were like, "Guys, here's an idea." And then that's funny is they have the um, Bugs Life thing where they're mm-hmm. talking about how they're excited about their sequel, and, and this then is it's their like sequel when he's like. Well, I forgot it, to tell you. <laughs> it wasn't a Bugs Life 2. It was, and then like the karate chopping, yeah. and you saw that that happened earlier in the movie. Yeah, pretty funny. Um, Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It's so good. I, I, I really like 2 in this movie, unlike a lot of sequels, like not a single extra character is um, uh, annoying to me. Um, and if they're annoying, it's in the way that they should be. Like it's an intentional annoyance. Which is kind of rare when you add, especially they add a lot of new characters and you like them all or you dislike them. Like you react how accordingly, yep. how how they intended yeah, it. Not a minute was wasted in the story, which after hearing how it happened, like they couldn't waste a minute <laughs> yeah. in the story. So it just goes, goes, goes. I think that this is my favorite one because this is the one I've seen the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, I think see, I saw it the most as a kid and you know, yeah. nothing's going to change that yeah. for me. Um, but I think... As a kid, I really liked it, too, because of, like, he found what is supposed to be his family. Yeah. Jesse and the prospect. Like, that's that's who was, like, he's destined to be family with, mm-hmm. but he chooses his family. You know? Yeah. I, I really, really liked that and, message. And I, I really like how they, it, like Evan said, we were talking to our friend Evan Coons about the movie and and he was said it's like it's like they open the curtains in Toy Story 1 and then in Toy Story 2 instead of like showing you the same stage or something like that they just open the curtains a little bit wider. Is this and, his favorite one? Oh yeah, he was he was saying it was his favorite. So I agree with that. It just expands the world in a totally non-intrusive to the first movie way. And this is how a sequel should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think this was like because I've seen the third one only like maybe twice, but definitely once. Mm-hmm. So I have I'm not very familiar with the third one, mm-hmm. but I think that I, this movie it was just perfect timing for me at the perfect age that I was. Yeah. Therefore, whatever movie is going to come after this one that's a Toy Story movie, it's not going to be. I'm not going to like it better. Does yeah. that make sense? Well, it does help that this is a perfect movie. Yeah. There's no mistakes in it. So yeah. I mean. When you put it like that, I mean. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's Toy Story 2. Next week is Toy Story 3. Um, couple of things to update you on. No, uh, my album is not coming out this January 10th anymore. We're pushing it back 
but the four singles are still available. You can, uh, I'll have a date. Hopefully by the next time we record, I'll have the album release. Hey, people who subscribe to Micah's Patreon recently got some art, original artwork from me. And a, a song that isn't getting released anywhere else. Um, oh, I know what it the, is. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and if you sign up now, you can still get the song and we'll probably get, we'll, if you do the parrot thing, we'll give you some art too. Fine. Jordan will give you some art. Fine. And uh, yes, enjoy our our uh, our exit and intro songs. Um, they're by our late friend Anthony Panter. Thank you, buddy. We love those songs. Love you, Anthony. Love you, Anthony. Love love you guys too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.